And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Swings here and he drives one deep in the center. Puig is racing back, still going back. He looks up. It's gone! Over the center field wall for Hunter Pence. Pence will touch them all and score them all. A grand slam for Hunter Pence. It's not easy when it's tough. That's when you find out what you're made of. You get so much Brisby in your ears if you want it. If you want Brisby, oh gosh, you get it. Anybody want coffee? I'm making coffee. Anybody want? Yes! 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 I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. You're listening to The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 35 of The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Hunter Pence, and we have a special guest today. We have A.J. Andrews. Now, I have a bullet-pointed list of A.J. Andrews and what she does, what she has accomplished. She is a professional softball player. She is a gold glove winner, motivational speaker, podcaster, TV host, a spokeswoman, RV road tripper with Hunter Pence. Do you sleep? No. <laughs> Don't know sleep. Never met her. We have not been acquainted and I'm fine. Don't need to get to know her yet. <laughs> I can somewhat attest to that. AJ, welcome. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I got the the, the honor and the privilege to, to host the an RV trip with T-Mobile to the first game of the World Series. And this young athlete, this amazing, amazing special person, she was working out like nonstop on top of all the things. It definitely motivated me and Alexis. We were like, we got to get our workout in, even though we're doing this. So thank you for that that motivation and welcome to the show. I guess first and foremost, I want to ask you, AJ, talk about being the first female athlete to win a gold glove. And did Rawlings give one to multiple players or just you in all of softball? Yeah. Well, first off, absolutely loved our road trip with you and Alexis. Friends for life. You guys are absolutely amazing. And it was so much fun. Yeah. Winning the gold glove. Okay. Let's talk about it. So, you know, in baseball, as most people that follow baseball know, right, gold glove is an award that most baseball players strive to achieve their, throughout their entire career from when they first started playing baseball up till when they make it to the majors. And, you know, it's one of those pinnacle moments in your career as a baseball player where you're like, I've made it right. I'm recognized for what I've been working for my whole life. And softball players, we have never had the opportunity to have that happen. Rarely do people even recognize that there is professional softball in general, let alone an award for our magnificent prowess on the field. And 
you know, for me in 2016, it had been, it was the first time a woman had won the gold glove in the 59 year history of the award. And it's so interesting because, you know, when I first learned that they were going to be, Rawlings was going to be giving it to a woman, I thought it was maybe going to be some like backhanded award, just like some woman's Rawlings gold glove award, not even the real deal. And so I honestly didn't really care that much at the, when I first found out I was a finalist, I was like, okay, I mean, (laughs) thanks. And then, you know, once we got more towards the end where, we're getting to the the final part of season and they're actually going to announce the winners when I realized and they kind of let us know, no, this is the real Rawlings Gold Glove Award that baseball players, MLB players win. And that's when I got nervous and I was just really excited. I really wanted to win it. And it wasn't because I wanted so much for my defensive excellence to be acknowledged, even though, of course, that would be amazing. But it was more so for the fact that I knew that whoever was going to win this award was going to make history. And whoever was going to win this award and a woman in sports was going to set the standard of how women, not just in softball, but really in all sports, deserve to be recognized. Shouldn't have to be an afterthought when it comes to our excellence next to men. It should be considered equal. And the things that we do on the field are just as good as what the baseball players players do on the field and it's going to finally be recognized as such and so once we got to the final awards ceremony and they're getting ready to announce the gold glove winner I'm sitting at this table and at that point I'm just like my mind is racing and there's three finalists it's myself there was an infielder and I want to say a catcher at the time so you have outfielder infielder catcher I remember just thinking in my mind, just like naming, saying their names in my mind. So I wouldn't be disappointed if, you know, like we say your name and then you hear someone else's name, you have like that sinking feeling. And I was like, oh, I'm just like saying their names, not thinking it's going to be me. And then they say my name and I didn't even hear it. Honestly, I'm just like in a daze. And it wasn't until my teammate tapped me. It was like, AJ, it's you. And I get up and I go receive the award. And, you know, when you win that award, I mean, in baseball, right, it's every position. And but in softball, it was only one overall. So only one, you had to be the best defender, period. <laughs> like on the field, you made all the best plays, you are the defender that is better than everyone else. And you know, it's hard to even to judge that when so many different positions have to do so many different things. But you know, it was really amazing to be that person to win that award, be the very first and to break that barrier and shatter that glass ceiling that allowed so many young women to finally have a a goal to potentially be able to say, I want to be a gold glover too when they're young. And that just not be a statement made for young men. Amen. And wow, what a beautiful story. What an amazing barrier breaker, which you're breaking a lot of barriers. And that's why you're perfect for this show. And and it's great to have you send that message out to be that leader for a lot of young women out there. I personally, AJ, don't know a ton about professional softball. Like you can't like very often like turn on ESPN or whatever and find it. Maybe you can. Sometimes I see the College World Series and I love watching it. It's very entertaining. So not only is there there's one Rawlings Gold Glove winner for the whole of softball, which I don't feel like that's fair. There's a Platinum Glove winner, I believe, in baseball, and that's like the best defender. But congratulations on basically being the Platinum winner of softball. But how many teams are in softball? Where do we go to find it? Describe how long the season is and, you know, kind of the ebbs and flows of being a professional softball player because we all we all need to know more and we need to awaken to everything that you just said. It's It's absolutely imperative. Oh, it is imperative. And it's it's so sad that 
whenever I tell someone I'm a professional softball player, when they say, oh my God, I didn't even know that was a thing. And, you know, I want to be like, uh, how could you not know? But then obviously, how, how could you know, right? You don't get to turn it on and see it every single day, unless there's something big that happens. You rarely ever hear about it. I mean, me even winning the wrong skull glove, I mean, in comparison to what the MLB players get, you know, typically it's an ESPN. It's something that you really see all the time. I got like a YouTube video. <laughs> that was a historic moment. And that's all that I received for that moment. But, you know, when it comes to. Well, now you're on the baseball barista. Now I'm on the baseball barista. Uh, yeah. I am elevating. <laughs> elevating you. I love the it. athletic. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, professional softball is typically ran in the summer. So seasons go from May to around early August. And you have, I mean, it really is the best of the best in softball. You know, you turn on TV, you get to watch college softball. It is truly because not there aren't a lot of teams in professional softball. There aren't a lot of opportunities. You're essentially watching one big all-star season. I mean, there's not, there's maybe 20 girls that get to get drafted, get to play professional from college softball. So you are watching the elites of the elite all competing in one league. It's not just, you know, so-and-so drafted in the eighth round, yada, yada, yada. Like there's, there's none of that. It's this person is an All-American. <laughs> this person is one of the best in softball, period. And they're now playing professional softball, right? And there's no time. I mean, there's no farm system the way there is an MLB. So there's no time to where you can develop as a player to reach the peak of your success, right? You have to reach it immediately or you're, you're not going to excel. There's absolutely no moment where you can fail. <laughs> Essentially, you have to be good from the very beginning as soon as you hit pro softball. It's really interesting because it's hard to believe that it doesn't transfer into professional the way that the support is and the TV time when you are, as I said before, watching all-star games take place. It's truly is the best of the best. Right now, there's two leagues. So there's one league that just started. It's called the WPF, and they just announced that they're going to be getting this summer about a month ago. There's something called Athletes Unlimited that takes place in the summer. It's, all, it's like a fantasy league for professional softball, but that is something that you can see on television. When and where can you see that? A lot of the times they have the games on Facebook Live. They'll have the games on CBS Sports, and they'll have it sometimes on ESPN. And so you, it just like, it's hard when you have to kind of like dig, but if you were to follow those platforms like athletes unlimited, or you go to follow WPF, you'd be able to get that information more efficiently. It's rough when you can't just turn on TV and the games are on, but if you're truly a fan, which I hope everyone is and want to continue to watch women in sports grow specifically softball, a quick follow won't hurt. I am the father of two daughters. I have a 13-year-old and 8-year-old. I've been my 13-year-old's coach since she was five. Now I'm moving on to my uh, 8-year-old. I've been her coach for a couple of years. I, like, I'm a softball nerd. I love nerding out about softball. I've been, like, you know, kind of following these different leagues and the startups and Athletes Unlimited and the drafts that they have and all that stuff. And then the pandemic hit. And it seemed like that just threw like just one of the biggest wrenches into all this. Talk about like how the pandemic has affected all the plans and the, the machinations of, of these different professional softball leagues. 
Yeah, well, the league that I was initially drafted into called the NPF National Pro Fast Pitch folded during the pandemic. And so that was one big hit that I think pro softball had. I mean, that had been a league that had been in place for years prior to me playing. I mean, think of the big names that you know in baseball right now, Jessica Mendoza, Jenny Finch, you know, some of those people, they all played in that league and it's no more. And then, you know, with Athletes Unlimited, that was a league that came place during the pandemic, actually. And I played in that league. It was something very new, something very exciting. People were all interested in it. And it was one of the only sports that were actually playing at the time, being softball. When, you know, that took place, I think it was really cool to see what could take form of professional softball and how it could continue to grow. And I think that it's only continuing to build momentum, not just, you know, Athletes Unlimited, but the different other leagues that are now coming forward because, you know, college softball is only continuing to grow. It's only continuing to gain fandom and acknowledgement. Every year, the viewership is up exponentially higher than last year, sometimes more than the men's college world series. And so, you know, I think that finding a way for that to transition and the pandemic being a point where people are sitting down at home, they are trying to find sports to watch. It was a really cool moment for more people to finally get in tune with professional softball and know about it, or maybe get in tune with the fact that, dang, these women are amazing in college. Why isn't there, if you don't know about professional softball, to sit and think, why isn't there an opportunity for them to go play? And if there is, why do I not know about it? Why can't I see it anymore? And I think a lot of people sat down during the pandemic and really asked those questions. And so I think that that was something that, you know, while the pandemic is awful that took place, but I think for women in sports, you can even reference the WNBA. It was a moment where people really got behind the movement of women in sports. And for some women in some sports league, it truly had immense impact. And so hoping that softball is continuing that as well. One of the problems in this household is that I am a, I went to Southern Oregon University and they have a, a really good softball team, but they're NAIA division three, I think. And so they, they're always in the championship but try getting an NAIA game like on your iPad and stuff. So like just trying to like, you know, it's it's not the easiest thing to do. So how do you spread the word? Because I love the sport of softball. Like it's not, softball is not just, you know, baseball with a bigger ball. It's got its own flavor, its own feel, its own speed. Like I love the speed of softball, the difference of like an infield hit and and the techniques and all that. How can the word get spread? Like how do we spread the word that like, this is awesome. Everyone like pay attention. Like you, how can we grab people by the ears and make them pay attention? I think continuing to have what I think is actually going to be extremely important is to have the backing of the MLB, if I'm going to be honest, and Major League Baseball players. Again, I think the WNBA is probably, if we're going to do a case study on the growth of women in sports, they're the perfect league to do so. And when you look at the things that they have done and look at the way that they have been able to grow literally just in this year, I mean, they've been a league that has been ahead of the curve for a very long time, but I feel like they truly have just taken off this past year with that orange hoodie. Like I walk around, I see that orange hoodie that represents WNBA everywhere, right? And you see not just women with wearing it, but men wearing it. The support of the male allies in the NBA for the WNBA is huge. And the way that you see them all supporting them at their games and Chris Paul, Devin Booker at the finals for the WNBA, you have LeBron James that would tweet and do all these things. Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, was extreme advocate for the WNBA. And, you know, if we just had half of that, 
in softball with some major league baseball players just coming to our games, tweeting out cool plays that happen. If one person just shouted me out when I won the gold glove, I think that that alone would have made a really big impact. And, you know, not to say I don't ever want to sound like we need men as saviors, but in reality, when it comes to trying to grow women in sports, it is important to have male allies. It just is. And, you know, it, just like in men, if a men have a cause that they're advocating for women, it's going to be important to have some women allies for it to seem legit. Right. So it just is important to have these movements and to have not just softball players speaking on it, but hopefully also baseball players and, you know, continuing to put these women in positions to excel and to be on TV and to showcase that they are wonderful athletes. And that as you put your point to it, softball is not just baseball with a bigger ball. There's more to the game, showcasing that part of the game, why it is exciting to watch, why it is different from baseball, yet very similar, right? We're, it's essentially cousins, right? You know what I mean? Like that's what it is. And so having the support of more male allies would be crucial to continue to grow softball. I mean, the, again, the way that you see what's happening with the WBA while they're doing so much on their own, it definitely helps to have the support of the men that just effortlessly get that support and praise, right? They don't have to do much. They just have to go out and play. Women, we have to do X, Y, Z in order to even be recognized to go out and play. While it doesn't feel like it starts with the allies, I think that that is definitely something that would have a major push for softball if we had more. I think that's an amazing answer. I think you made a lot of points that are very valid. And for instance, when you won your gold glove, I was still in the major leagues. I never heard about this. So like we have to get the word out. And right now we're doing it, like having these conversations and being like, what can we do? And like looking, me and AJ, we were in Chicago when Chicago won the WNBA title and there was NBA players there. Like you said, LeBron was supporting him. Booker was supporting you know, the best players in the MLB and, and maybe not even just the players, like they need to hear about it. Someone has to tell them because a lot of times they don't know about it. So the MLB maybe can be a sponsor on this. But like AJ said, softball is exciting to watch. Like we have it on in the clubhouse every day whenever the College World Series is going on and everyone's rooting for their teams. It's another really, really exciting thing to watch. I do think you're spot on with that. But I think one of the things that's very exciting for baseball for me is we now have a woman GM. We've had full woman broadcasting. So like it's baby steps and more steps in the right direction, but we need to continue to have more of these conversations. And AJ, you are my hero. You have barrier breaker in the background and that's what we're here to do. So with that being said, I just wanted to like highlight all the things that sent me, like gave me all the tingles and, and I was just so proud of you and so happy for this conversation. Talk to me a little bit about, I want to get more on you because not only are you a professional softball player, you want to be an Olympic athlete, not, ju not just in softball, but how's the training going? And tell everyone a little bit about your push to be an Olympian. Uh, yeah, I actually just got back from Utah two days ago with some more training. So what Hunter is talking about is my spring summer sport of softball is what I do in that time. And I've actually now just begun training to become an Olympian in skeleton, <laughs> which if you don't know what skeleton is, I, most people know what bobsled is. So it, think of bobsled, but just on one sled, instead of it being like this big old I don't know, car thing that takes you down the ice. You're essentially just on a sled with your head first. And you, instead of having 
things to guide you in the bobsled, right? You only have your body in order to steer and to get through these curves safely and effortlessly without making having huge scratches. If I were to take off my sweatshirt, you would see a huge bruise right now from me not being so effortlessly and uh, not being so smooth on the ice. I had a busted lip a few days ago. It's gone down. My jaw actually still hurts a little bit, but the moneymaker is still intact. So we are good. I want to be an Olympian. I want to be a gold medalist. And as I tell so many people that I speak to, the sky is the limit. And even that is debatable. There is nothing you cannot do. You cannot achieve. Softball will probably not be back in the Olympics for another eight years because the next Summer Olympics is going to be in Paris. And I don't foresee them putting softball as one of their sports. Really, softball has been out of the Olympics for a long time prior to this past Olympics because it's huge in Japan. So Japan was able to bring it back in eight years. I think the Summer Olympics is going to be in L.A. And so, yeah, softball will probably be back at that point. But in eight years, I'm not so sure that your girl is going to still be kicking. So I want to get in those Olympics as soon as I can. And so the next in four years is what I'm aiming for with skeleton. So it is intense training. I hired a videographer to come document it all while I was out there. So once I'm able to put all that out, you guys will see what it truly takes to go from the grass to the ice. This Florida girl who went to LSU, who only knows tropical weather. Now I'm in these conditions. I have no idea. Like, I mean, I'm out there. Everyone's just like chilling in these jumpsuits. I have like three jackets on. I'm a complete rookie to this game, not just the sport, but the weather. I have learned a lot in the two weeks that I was training out there in Utah this past couple, two weeks. I think it's so cool, though, learning a new sport and uh, having to, you know, if I were thinking about skeleton it is so scary okay it, it sounds scary sport. going face first you got a, like oh a jaw busted lip are you kidding me i'm like i need to know more i know this is like the baseball barista but like that sounds crazy i know huh and it's like i got a busted lip and i'm just like chilling like yeah okay i'm gonna go do it again in a couple weeks but like yeah how long is the thing how fast are you going like what was the first one like yeah, well, when I first got there, we started from a lower point. So it started from curve six. So there's essentially around 15 curves that you take. Some are bigger, some are smaller. On some tracks, you can go up to 100 miles an hour. But on the track that we were on, the highest you'd probably get if you went top speed was around 80 to 90 miles an hour, probably or 80. So one of the days, the ice was really, really fast. And we were going like 70. Me and the rest of the rookies were going like 70 miles an hour. When I say two pressure points, I mean, like, if your neck's not strong enough, which mine is not, your face is like slamming against the ice while you're on there because you don't, the pressure is like forcing your body down onto the sled. That's why my busted lip and jaw have uh, occurred. <laughs> and so it's kind of now I have to do like some training for like football to get like a strong neck, like a lot of just stuff I would never have thought about. You're able to look at it, like some of them are super high. And so if you come into a curve, you have to come in at the right time. If you come in too late, you'll go really high up on the curve. And once you come down, you will slam into the wall in the next thing. And that's where this arm bruise has taken place. And so it's just, it's a learning lesson and how, and unlike softball or baseball, where you can watch film and learn, or you can go in the cage and just take a extra, couple extra cuts, have someone toss to you. Uh, you have to learn by just full on experience, right? Like we don't just get shoved in the game and say, learn as the game goes. 
which you do, right? You make adjustments, but those adjustments you understand that you have to make because of the practice that you took. And in skeleton, the practice that you take is basically your full on game. So it's very different. And, but it's rewired the way I look at fear, you know, and anxiety with softball and games. I never really had fear playing softball, but right. You get those nerves, you get those butterflies going up sometimes first games, first big games. And for me though, they never would subside in softball until maybe the first pitch, right? Or until I took my first swing, or maybe after my first AB, depending on what kind of game it was. But with skeleton, like it has to subside immediately. <laughs> like I can't just get on and just go. And so it's been interesting the way that fear has kind of entered my mind. And I've like, I've accepted it. It's like, yeah, this is kind of scary. And then it just kind of flows out and I just go instead of it being there until I take place, because it's like, look, you're, if you're going to do it anyway, there's no point in sitting here being afraid, you know, fear is truly a choice if you want to allow it to live in you, right? It's going to come, but it's your choice to keep it there. And so, you know, throughout Skeleton, I've really learned to allow my feelings to just come in and flow out as they please instead of holding on to them. (laughs) We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network, you're there to look for jobs, you're there to post jobs. And how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? 
Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit directtv.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Oh my God! There's like I have so many things to ask about that. But real quick, because I'm gonna I'm gonna hit up I'm gonna transition back to baseball. Where can we watch this documentary or get more information? Because I'm very interested. I want to see more of this. That is incredible. And you're right. Conquering your fears just like teaches you more lessons. Just allowing it. So the only time I felt the same kind of pressure as like the world series was when I was climbing a black diamond mountain climbing in Nikes that I I thought it was just an amateur thing. I'd never mountain climbed before in my life. And I was fearful for my life. That's the only time I felt that fear. So anyway, where can they, we find this? Yeah. So I'm going to be putting out on my social. So AJ underscore Andrews underscore and that's on instagram and twitter i'm gonna put out some like clips and stuff on tiktok which my tiktok handle is the aj andrews and then it's gonna be kind of a more of a long form video that i'm gonna go ahead and put out on youtube and i think my youtube is just i don't know if you type in aj andrews you'll find me at some point Okay, so find her through AJ Andrews if you're interested, because that is going to be a heck of a story, and and I'm very excited to find out. But speaking of rules and finding out new rules and the difference between softball and baseball, this is something I was really excited to ask you, and then I'll pass the torch back to Grant. But with baseball, and there's a new collective bargaining agreement, and this has kind of got a cloud over it, but there's potential for a lot of change in baseball. And we've had a lot of, like, really interesting rule ideas like they've thrown around like a bigger base so there can be more base stealing seeing as though you're the base stealing master they don't think there's enough base stealing getting rid of the shift is something they're talking about in baseball if you were like the leader of all of baseball or even softball what are some rules that you would switch around for softball and for baseball what do you think would make baseball more exciting entertaining or better is there anything in particular I would say all these unwritten rules should be next, you know, like I think you should be able to celebrate with bat flips, with whatever. I think more showboating, I think more just excitement in your originality and your authenticity as a player. I think that should be celebrated. However it is that you want to wear your hair. I mean, I know a lot of players do, but like, I don't know. I think that maybe your shoes make things more personalized. Just, I just think so much about like things that just take heat and just run, like wearing the pearls. That was fun. Like we might be those MFers. Like that was so fun to watch. And I remember when I went to that first game, World Series game, I saw so many people wearing pearls. So many. And you know what is so crazy? After we heard the story as to why he was wearing it, it's, it's amazing to hear. I think it had to do with his mom, if I'm not miscorrected. If something along the lines of her being sick, like it was something, it was a, a personal reason as to why he was wearing the pearls. And I remember asking though, the one out of the, or two out of maybe like 13 people I saw wearing pearls and asked them, why do you guys know the story behind it? And they're like, no, no one knew it. They were just wearing it because he was wearing it. You know what I mean? Like things like that, that just like, that is what adds to just the excitement I feel like in baseball, you know, I think, yeah, the shift probably would be something that we're like, you just allow people to get the hits if they earn them instead of just learning so much about them to where you make a shift in softball. We have a shift too, but it's not so drastic because at any point someone, unless the, the stat is crazy where it's like, she has 56 hits and all of them been to left field. Then yeah, sure. We'll probably shift and there won't be a right fielder, but like, you know, outside of that, you don't see it like that the way you do in baseball and softball. But I also think in softball, you have so many moments where 
it's just so quick, right? There's it's a quicker game. Bases are moved up. You have what's called uh, short game players in softball, right? So you have players that can get hits. Like they're, they're speed players, essentially. They don't have to have the big home runs for the game to be exciting. They knock down a bunt, they get on base, they call do what's called slapping, tap it on the ground to get on base. And those are some of some players' favorite players because it's fun to watch them work. It's fun to watch their bats skills, their bat handling skills, and the way that they can control and manipulate the ball to be placed wherever it is they want to place it to get on base. And, you know, I think if in baseball, I mean, I know there are just like contact hitters, right? But, you know, I don't know, maybe add some element to it where it's maybe the bunt game is in, influenced a little bit more and it's not just to move a runner over, but for like an exciting hit. But I really think that most importantly, there should be more originality and allowing people to, you know what I think of when I think of just fun? I think of the U, Miami football back in like the 80s and 90s, right? Where they just had so much personality, so much authenticity that people just like watching them. Like that's my favorite documentary to watch because I think it's just so dope. The celebrations that they had, things that they did. And, you know, I think if baseball implemented some stuff like that, some celebrations, some really cool things that people got excited for after a big hit or a big catch, and we knew so-and-so was going to be able to do something crazy and not be judged for it. I think that'd be dope. Imagine like Mookie Betts making some like super dope catch and then him having like being able to take like a, I don't know, a Superman cape out of his pocket and just like fly around. I don't know. Just like crazy stuff though. But people are like, I can't wait. I want to make a big catch because this is what he does after he makes the catch. Like that's, that's what people get tuned in for. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I think these unwritten rules need to be gone in baseball, in my opinion. I want to go back to a little bit of what you're talking about with the shift and because I watched your slap hitting tutorial on YouTube. You like made such excellent points about how you need to be athletic. Like I just, I remember watching like uh, Nori Aoki and Ichiro would do it sometimes. Raphael for a call. Like it's this, the slap is where you kind of take a step toward the pitcher and your bat stays through the zone, but you're trying to get it through the, the five, six hole, right? Can't we bring that to baseball? Like, is that something that should be like, should there be more slap hitters more against the shift? Everyone's shifting. Can you teach like a big dude how to become a slap hitter or does it have to be the fast guy? But can it be like a big guy against the shift going the other way? Yeah, but you know what's going to need to happen, though, is baseball players going to need to run through the base. <laughs> that um, That's going to be the, the change that needs to take place if that's going to happen. Because, you know, you see sometimes if they didn't get it through the infield, some people run all the way through. Right. But a lot of the times you see people pulling up to first base. So for that to take place, though, it's going to be like a new shift in mentality of everybody's got to run through 100% all the time, but you totally can. Like the big, I mean, the girls that, I don't want to call them big girls, but the girls that you knew could hit in softball, right? Like everyone typically was a couple steps back. And then sometimes a lot of them were quick, okay? And they would just drop down a bunt or they would do something really sneaky and they were safe, no doubt, because no one was ready for it. No one was prepared for it or even playing them in the position that they should be. And yeah, I mean, things like that, that's just like, it's fun. It's funny. It's like, oh my God. And it like changes the way you play the game when things like that happen. You know, I think implementing that, you can totally bring slap hitting to baseball, I think. I know everyone loves the home run. Everyone loves the big hit. But in reality, to win games, you got to have people on base. And so when it comes down to those crucial moments, you know, I don't know if you're quick or if you're someone that they're making a shift, don't try to have this huge hit. If they're having a big shift on you, 
do whatever you got to do to just place it in that one area where nobody is. And that's it. And if baseball players learned how to do that the way softball players learn how to do it all the time, I bet the shift wouldn't happen as often. I mean, I never get a shifted on as a, a hitter that slaps because yes, I can tap it on the ground and run really fast, but I can also hit it over your head. Right. So you have to play me fair. You can't play me too far in because I will hit it really hard. and I'll hurt you. You can't play me too far back because I'll lay it down and I'll be safe. It's exciting to not know what's going to happen. And in baseball, when you know everyone's just trying to get the big hit, everyone's trying to hit the home run. uh, It takes a little suspense out of it. Of course, home runs are always exciting. They never get bored to watch, but they don't come as frequently as everyone thinks they do. So you got to add something. Yeah, in my day job, I write about the San Francisco Giants, right? And one of their best hitters is Brandon Belt. And occasionally he will lay down a bunt to beat the shift. And he ended his season because a fastball, a heat seeker came in and broke his hand. And everyone's saying, oh, man, you sh- that's why you shouldn't bunt. Big guys shouldn't bunt. Never have the bunt. And to me, it's like, it sucks that that happened. But if you're going to ask pitchers to bunt, you can definitely ask like a big guy to bunt and bunt down the line. I think that that is one of the most exciting plays in baseball. The home run, like you said, it's cool, but I want to see more big guys bunting against the shift. The shift kind of bugs me. Like, I just don't like the shift. I mean, I have so much to say on this because first, AJ, <laughs> my favorite players as a kid were the fast guys. Like, I loved like, like I loved Juan Pierre. I love like, you know, I think of Ricky Henderson and how how swaggy was he? And like, you know, he just had so much flair back in the day, but like Ichiro Suzuki, you don't forget Ichiro and how he, how he swung the bat. It was very softball. Like, you know, he did the running swing thing, but when you go to like the Brandon belt and and this is the shift, like let's say David Ortiz, if David Ortiz or, or like, or I even think of the Billy Butler, Gerard Dyson in 2014 Royals was the ultra combo. Because like if if Billy Butler or David Ortiz bunts and gets a single, they're a tank on first base. And you're going to need like three hits or a homer to get him home. He's now just a double play threat. So David Ortiz slug equals runs mathematically. He just got a single. That's no big deal because we can get a grounder on the next guy. Like they need two more hits. Like even a double is probably not going to score one of them. But when Billy Butler would get a single and you brought in Gerard Dyson and now there's this lethal speed threat and like he was scoring so many runs because Billy Butler would get the hit and then Gerard would steal all the bases and like in the game like that's what speed do and he would break the game because when he's on base like in a Billy Hamilton they just add so much pressure so it's extremely exciting to watch that but you can't have a Brandon Belt like bunting that often if they're just going to clog the base. Sorry, I don't know why I got so into that, but I definitely <laughs> agree. I agree a hundred million percent that fast people are so exciting to watch when they can handle the bat, when they can do the slap hit. Gregor Blanco was amazing at doing that stuff. So you're right, AJ, you're right. Can you talk to us a little bit about the mechanics of hitting in softball like and the different pitches that you face? You know, I think for a long time, people said there's like a softball swing and a baseball swing, and there was two different things based off of the different pitches that we face. But now if you talk to really any softball player or talk to any coach that coaches baseball and softball, uh, the softball swings have emerged. I, I don't, I hate to even say softball swings, swings in softball have now looked a lot like baseball swings. Right. And yeah, so we're told the same thing now taught the same thing when it comes to launch angle, just the way that having your hip in the right position, right. 
to then explode out, having more torque in your hip, being able to explode from your hip, using that more. While softball has always been taught to swing from the hip, it has been more, I feel like more rotational and less like sit in and fire out the way that you are taught now, the way baseball players have always been taught. At one point I was dating a major league baseball player and we would go to the same hitting coach. And, you know, it was a lot of the same things that we, I mean, he taught us the same way to hit. Right. So it was just kind of essentially everything he did, I did. And then when I started going to more and more coaches after the fact and different people, they were all speaking the same thing, whether you're talking to a softball player or a baseball player. And if you want to look at some of the best softball teams in the country, like Oklahoma, you know, of course I got to say LSU, but you know, Oklahoma is historically, they drop bombs all the time. If you look at their swings, right, they're just, they're loaded. They're always taking huge hacks. DeCarlo out of Georgia, if you were to look at her swing, most people I think would be like, oh man, whoever's teaching her, or she either played baseball at one point, or someone who's teaching her play baseball, something like that, because her swing is huge. Her swing is big. She's taking daddy hacks every time she's trying to get to the ball. It's never something that you just kind of make contact and flow through. No, she is whacking it. You know, I think the mechanics in softball now are definitely the same as in baseball. I think prior to, because we have to fight the rise ball. That's what I was going to ask. That was my question. How do you hit the rise ball? Like, this is why, like, the underarm, like, Tyler Rogers is so nasty. Isn't that a different path? Not really when it comes to hitting the rise ball. So one, if you cannot swing, don't swing. (laughs) That's key number one. Um, But if you were to try to make contact with the rise ball, essentially you just have to make sure that your bat path, while you're still at a launch angle, right? You have to start one earlier or later. I guess it depends on the break of the ball and who it is that you're facing. But, you know, a lot of the times, you just have to stay through that, but you can't, your hand path has to be higher, right? You can still have a launch angle. You can still end where you want to finish, but every single time you make contact, you have to know that that ball, wherever it starts Think about rise balls and softballs is there's so many different. So there's a low rise. So there's a ball that's going to look like a ball. It's going to look, it's coming at your ankles and it's going to rise up right to your knees and be a strike. That's a different pitch, right? And then you have the rise ball that starts route chest level. looks like it's going to be neat, a pitch that you can just take out of the yard easily. And then by the time it gets to you, it's over your hands. So it's hard to kind of determine what it is that you're going to do. And so you kind of have to have the same swing, but just know where it is that you want to start with your swing, but the finish is going to be the same. You just have to stay through it longer on the rise ball and not come up, right? You don't want to launch too soon on a rise ball or you're just going to pop it right up. But it's definitely hard to figure out. You have to, when you're facing a really, really good rise ball pitcher, the best thing you can do is hope she misses <laughs> or not swing at that pitch because a, a pitcher that whose pitch is the rise ball, it's a pitch, it's, it's just not, Hittable. It's like the Mario Rivera, Mariano Rivera. It's just like really good. You just you just don't swing at it, and if you do, you hope you stay on it long, or you have to tomahawk it, right? Try to come down on it. But at that point, if you are trying to come down on it and tomahawk it, you just shouldn't be swinging at it to begin with. So it's just one of those pitches. But I think that as far as the mechanics and just a regular swing of softball, softball players are being taught the same thing as baseball players now. And, you know, as you know, right, the technology advances, you learn more about softball swings, learn more about baseball swings. I mean, I think the way people talked about how to swing in baseball is different from years past. So, you know, it's, it's all ever changing. 
and evolving and softball is just, instead of it being separate, a separate swing from baseball, people viewing it that way, they're now connecting it as one. And so a lot of the mechanics are essentially the same. So it feels like with hitting and uh, pitching, you can get really granular. You can say, well, you know, your hips are doing this and you have to have this in the angle and, and your grip is here and you're breaking your wrist here. But the conversation around fielding, and we're talking to a, a literal gold glove winner, is kind of like, go, there's the ball, go get it. That's got to be an oversimplification. So how, what are you working on to become a gold glover like that is as granular and just is as in-depth as the hitting and the pitching? Yeah, I would say one of the main things I tell kids that I work with is that the best time for you to get better is during BP. I think a lot of the times people take BP as a time to just goof off, you know, talk to your friends, walk around, whatever it is. It's very, it's not normal that most people take shagging (laughs) seriously. I mean, it's a time where you can get a lot of balls off the bat. You can learn how to read the balls. The thing that I do that I feel like has made me extremely successful is obviously when balls are coming really fast, you can't get everything that's hit when you're shagging. And so if I'm in playing center fields, right, I'm sitting there, I'm going to catch the ball that I want to catch. Another ball comes my way. What I'm doing is I'm looking at that ball. And before the ball lands, I am anticipating where I feel like the ball is going to land based off the spin, based off how it's going. And I will really sit there and I will guess. I will look at the ground and I will guess where I think the ball is going to land. And I will just look at that spot and see if the ball lands there or if it lands near there. And then if it lands at that spot, then I know I'm good. If it lands near there, then I'm going to watch again. I'm going to watch in the air how it is taking the spins based off of that batter. A lot of times it's lefties, right? Lefties, weird things happen. So you want to start watching a little bit more of what their ball is doing rather than you guessing. So from that point there, I'm actually taking mental runs consistently every time I'm taking some physical runs everyone I'm not taking physical I'm taking mentally I feel like a lot of my life most coaches have said I read the ball differently than most outfielders they say I see the ball differently I analyze where it's going to happen in a different way that a lot of people they've coached have done and I think a lot of that comes to well one I played a lot of different sports I would want to give some credit to basketball because I was probably like the best defender on my basketball team for a really long time. And um, I played AAU basketball for a while. And I was the kid that was really quick and I made, had a lot of steals. And because I always anticipated when the person was going to throw, where the ball was going to go. And I got really good at it. And I think that that helped me translate into softball as well, but also the things that I'm doing uh, in order to train. But, you know, outside of that, you just do the you do the drills, you do different things that allow force you to have to make quick decisions and to have to find the ball quickly and judge where it's going to be. And not where I think so important, not where the ball is right, but where the ball is going to be always where the ball is going to be. Uh, And when you do that more and more and more and more, you get to the point where, you know, based off of the spin, based off of how the person hit the ball, where the pitch was hit or pitched you begin to really analyze exactly where every ball is going to land at some point, you know, that takes a lot of time. But for me, it was, it was easy and it it was fun. It became a game that I continue to challenge myself on. And that's how you get to me, you get better. And I was just never afraid to fail. I was never afraid that I was going to miss a ball or I was never afraid I was going to run into a fence. I was always giving a hundred percent And my only goal was to catch it. My only goal, either your day is going to be ruined because I make this catch or my day is going to be ruined because I don't make a catch. I'm more concerned about my day. I don't want my day to be ruined. (laughs) So I'm going to go make this catch. And, you know, once I had that mentality, I just started working towards it and did it worked on a lot of different drills. 
that allowed me to make quick decisions and quick judgments depending on where the ball was. Yeah, if anyone was thinking that you were that you were scared to fail, I think the idea of going from Florida to the skeleton might put that at ease because like I had like all these questions in like that I didn't get to and all this and like once you said skeleton it's like oh, like that's all my brain was like focused on that like that's not picking up a set of golf clubs so like I'm, I'm amazed at like this this took such a, a left turn on here all right you have so much going on you have a podcaster barrier breaking women you are hosting you're doing YouTube videos like what do you want to to plug lay it all out there Watch just my journey in softball. Watch my journey in skeleton on all of my social media. So AJ underscore Andrews underscore. That's Instagram and Twitter. And then the AJ Andrews on TikTok. And then, you know, I think just watch all the different things I'm hosting. I'm hosting on a platform called Players TV. And so it's a show called Access Athletes. So it'll be coming out soon where I'm just kind of getting the updates. Think of Access Hollywood, but for athletes. So updates on all your favorite athletes and what they're doing behind the scenes and outside of sport that's on players tv and then yeah just watch i'm also an on-camera host so just be on the lookout for me and just make comments about how great i sound and how cute i look every time you see me (laughs) you deserve it you deserve it aj i have to say you gave us so many gems that like you like if you're paying attention you learned a lot of amazing things and i did not like what you just said about defense grant great question BP, not necessarily doing all the physical runs, but like looking where the ball lands and making really, so like as soon as you see it hit, you make that read and look where you think it's going to land is one of the best drills I ever learned in, in baseball. And I didn't learn it till my last year. And I wish I would have known that so much sooner. I have one one more question. Uh, and, and and before we, we wrap here, because uh, you've given us so much of your time. Thank you. When you look at the ball, this was something that like, Marlon Bird taught me from Andrew Jones and I would like go back and forth because my whole career I would follow the pitcher to the plate and Andrew Jones was like no you lose out on like that anticipation factor he was Andrew Jones was like you look you you use your peripheral to follow the pitcher but you stay locked in on the hitter and the strike zone because that's where the contact's going to happen and you can kind of tell when you stay locked in there where the ball's going to go but it was hard for me to make that transition after years and years and years of following the pitcher yeah. Well, in the outfield, I can't really follow the pitcher anyway. And I'm typically in center field. So I've always just been locked in on the batter and locked in on the the plate. So I've always just had the mentality of me being locked in on where the ball is going to is going to go as far as on the plate and the person who's batting. A lot of times I, though, when I'm anticipating what's going to happen, I look at the batter's body position and what is it they're trying to hit? Because sometimes it's a little, it's sometimes easy to tell what is they're trying to do. For me, I just watch home plate and the batter swing. You know, at that point, you know what your pitcher is really good at. You know what is that they're trying to do. And so, yeah, I don't so much ever focus on our pitcher unless, you know, she's like giving up meatballs. <laughs> then I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's call time out. Outside of that, yeah, always home plate in the, in the batter. All right, we're going to let you go. We really, really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I had a blast, Hunter. You had a blast. Definitely. What an honor and uh, what an amazing journey, story, and message. So thank you, AJ. We appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. All right, this has been episode 35 of The Baseball Barista. Thank you to AJ Andrews. And this is actually our last show, so thank you so much for listening. It has been a treat. Hunter, it's been a blast talking to you, man. 
I know it went by way too quick. Cheers to you. Many more cups of coffee and uh, many great baseball stories. How's your elbow feeling? Uh, you know, it's better. It's better. I can, I can almost stretch it out the full way. Uh, all right. Thank you so much for listening. And, you know, keep talking baseball because that's what we do. Thanks so much. Awesome. I love coffee. <laughs>